I think that what I didn't understand again is if those two things had a baby, <laughs> they would probably be designed. Hello and welcome to Did I Do That? It's a podcast about making graphic design and making mistakes because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher and joining me today, a very special guest. She's an award-winning editorial art director who for the past decade has used those skills to design meaningful experiences, publications, and brand strategies across media, including serving as art director of Bitch Magazine and as creative director of Bear Deluxe Magazine. These days, she heads up the graphic design program at our hated crosstown rivals, the Pacific Northwest College of Art, where she also leads the client work-oriented to design studio student incubator i said all those words in the wrong order but i will figure it out the pnca center for design it's Kristen rogers brown hi hi <laughs> i love we set up this adversarial relationship and we're here like cracking up absolutely and, uh, yeah i mean it's it's a hugely adversarial relationship and yeah. i think i wanted to bring that up because i was thinking today about i went to a high school that was fairly new it was built out of cinder block and it looked like a prison. Um, and it's just a wonderful, great place to, to go to high school. But they still wanted it to have high school things. Like sparkles? Like, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say about Vegas. There certainly weren't sparkles there. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, was, it was kind of the opposite of sparkles. It was gray, rough cinder block. Yeah, um, yeah. But we did have, uh, I, I think they determined that the one thing that a real high school needed was a hated crosstown rival. Oh, yeah. So they sort of, um, they got a hat and they put a bunch of names of different schools into the hat and they picked out a, a different school and nobody had any feelings about this particular school at our school. But, you know, that was just the thing. Yeah, of course. Did you did you have an experience like that? Did your high school have like a hated crosstown rival? You know, I think my college did more oh. than my, maybe my high school did, but let's be real, like I'm a designer. My sportiness yeah. is relative. <laughs> Um, I grew up outside of Chicago, so I'm a lover of sports. I oh, think it's sure. like required That's for you to be. Sports Town USA. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. yeah. But in college, we were like a Division three liberal arts school. Also, about the same level of sportiness that I could maintain. <laughs> and our hated crosstown rival was another like small school in the middle of Ohio. Like liberal arts school yep. that, you know, yep. maybe has a, a really engaging creative writing program. But That's where I went. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly the school I went to. Um, so, yeah. So it did feel a little bit like it was drawn out of the hat. It was more like intellectual snobbery, I think, between the two oh. schools than sports snobbery. I so, see. But both hated the other. Yeah. But you're I mean, you're at least familiar with with the Sports Town USA way of thinking. And of course, you know, the other part of this is mascots. I, I, I think right. there's a real case of mascot mania in the air right now. Um, we just got done celebrating Grimace's birthday for one. Did you do anything Ooh. for Grimace's birthday? <laughs> no, when was Grimace's birthday? Because maybe I did. I think July, maybe. Mm, no, no. I, didn't. I did nothing in July. <laughs> I might have grimaced. Well, I, he wants that. So that's yeah. that's good. Yeah. It's weird that we have a very happy mascot that's named after a pained facial expression. I know. I like that a lot. And it's he's so just kind bizarre. of a blob. Too. He's very blobby. It's very strange. It's, it feels like, you know, like they had three minutes to come up with a mascot. And it's like, yeah. uh, yeah. purple crayon. Uh, yeah. There we go. Sort of a star shape. So Great. wait, what is the mascot at PSU? I should know this. We are the Vikings. <gasps> that was my high school mascot. Really? I, I, it's a very common mascot. Yeah. Um, many of the schools that have the Vikings do start with V, which we no longer do. Right. We did for about 10 years, and that was a long time ago. So may maybe it's time to retire yeah. that one. Yeah. It's definitely not time to retire our mascot. We've had several, like, uprisings against it, mostly started by the administration. Ours is the sloth. <gasps> You, I didn't know this. It's like the most magical idea for an art school mascot. Absolutely. I mean, this takes the crown from, I think, the banana slugs of UC pretty, Santa Cruz. I, I think, well, I think Santa Cruz has sport 
teams. They do. They are. They do have real sports. But... Yeah, we have mostly tabling at cons. <laughs> So I think the sloths is kind of perfect. Oh, my God. But we do have an actual costume that people dress <gasps> up in. And, there are uh, people who dress up as a yeah, sloth? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was God. told this year that I could do it if I wanted to. And then I thought about the number of people who have been inside that costume. Oh, and yeah. And I started to feel different. That's that's going to be Stinktown USA inside yeah, of that. Maybe. Is, is unfortunate. Or cozy. Who knows? Or, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might it might be just like a warm blanket in mm-hmm. a weird way, uh, a warm stinky blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like Grimace is kind of taking over, I think, in a lot of ways from from Ronald McDonald, just in time for Gen Z to embrace clowns. Um, a right. weird a weird choice. Um, but I think thinking about Grimace's shapelessness, I, I was having a conversation with my parents the other night, um, and they live in Las Vegas still, and. They had seen a commercial that included a terrifying mascot that they were telling me about. And I, I want I want to actually share this mascot with you because it might it might in fact be the worst mascot I've ever seen in my I'm entire so life. Excited. Let me introduce you to this friend. This is Stephen Money. <laughs> Please say hello to Stephen Money. So for the listener, I'm going to describe this is like this is a cartoon. Arnold Schwarzenegger bod, uh-huh. but with a head and torso of a cell phone that says STN Sports on it. Yes, I. I uh, there's another image that I think. Also, also, if the mascot has to say what they are <laughs> in the quote, then that is a sign that it's not working. It's literally saying, "I am Stephen Money." I am Stephen Money. Mm-hmm. It is me. Stephen Money. Wow. Yeah. It kind of just tells you what to do, though, it looks like, from what I'm seeing here. Stephen Money, I think, wears his heart on his sleeve. And by heart, I mean desire for you to give him money. Yeah. 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 He, Stephen Money is... He can't help himself, maybe. I think I need to read the official the official bio of Stephen Money provided by STN Sports. Uh, Stephen Money, no relation to Eddie Money... That's Mm. actually in there is your best bet and soon to be your new best friend in the sports betting game as he brings you the STN sports app to the palm of your hands. That sentence doesn't feel like it's well constructed, but okay. Waging and raging for over 40 years. Nope. Stephen Money has, against the odds, proved himself to be the local favorite in Nevada. He's proud of his roots as a Vegas local, born and raised, bringing betters the best race and sports betting experience in the game. He always takes over on Vegas, even when most took the under. He always took the... Oh, he always takes the over on Vegas, even when most took the under. Boo. <laughs> I just, there's so many words, he's, and they're confusing me with what they mean. Well, he's I've so, never heard them in that order. No, it's bad. It's bad because it's weird sports betting speak, which is nonsense. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and they close it out with the, the line, he's so money, and he definitely knows it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's... Uh, do people still know what Eddie Money is? Well, that's a great question. I mean, who? Because I, I, as a child, I bowled next to Eddie Money. We oh. we went to a bowling alley in Vegas, and there's Eddie Money right there. So and he's a local. He's a local. Okay, that makes more sense. But we didn't know who he was. It was definitely sure. our parents who did. So also, he's bowling. He is bowling. In public. In public. So. <laughs> yeah. So. During the day, in the middle of famous. a, you know, kind of local casino. Yeah, so, you know. Him. And it wasn't being bothered either. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Stephen Money is a nightmare, and <laughs> I don't, I don't know how the mascot game can continue from there. I, I think we might have to just hang it up because I don't know that we'll ever have anything more terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Although I don't know if you're a Blazer fan. Did you see the Sasquatch mascot this last year? No. Do they have a Sasquatch mascot? They're like introducing double mascot time at some of the games. So there's Blaze, which um, if you're not a Blazer fan, I feel like people have sort of a love-hate like sometimes hate relationship. Maybe it's just the fact that like people want to beat up mascots. I feel I, like they absolutely that do. Could just be I, it. And some of it, I'm sure, is just thinking about how soft the the mascot right, will be against be, their hands. Yeah, yeah. Mm, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, or the way they bobble their heads around. It's just like too much. Yes, or their insulting dances. 
They are insulting. <laughs> They're always trying to get into mischief. I know. They really are. We just had sort of an Uncanny Valley face thing going on. You should Google it if I, you... Uh, absolutely. I mean, listeners, do Google it. I don't really know how to describe it other than I'm not very sure about it at all. I did get search results for Trailblazers Square Dance, which I am going to follow Ooh. up on for sure. Uh, a Bigfoot with a beanie. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that face is, there's a lot of things. Oh, boy. Why does it, it it does that thing that like 19th century dolls do where they have Mm. the hard face. Yeah. The hard ceramic face. And I don't know why, I mean, this this is a gentleman who is grimacing. Absolutely. Grimacing in absolute pain existing. And still threatening at the same time. He's he's giving a smile, but he is going to take a bite out of you the minute yeah. you turn your back. Yeah, I I don't I'm not here for it. Yeah, so <laughs> truly, uh, truly some nightmarish things going on on the mascot front. Things happen, um, and I'm I'm glad we could we could have this moment of yeah. of mascottery to yeah. to kind of uh, warm ourselves up. Um, so, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> My, transition. My always great transitions out of the bit. That's the thing. Is like people listen to this show and they go, "Sean, your your transitions are what I really listen for. Your mm. like gentle, gentle transition." You you grew up in Sportstown, USA, as you mentioned, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like growing up in Chicago? How did you get into design from there? So I grew up in the suburbs on the southern side of the city, a little bit close to Indiana. But um, my parents were both music teachers and creative people. So when I was a little kid and we had like a break, I would ride the train downtown with my mom to where she would teach. And when I was old enough, and this was like the 70s, 80s, so like old enough was sooner than it would have been. (laughs) She would let me go across the street to the Art Institute and I would just kind of hang out there. So I think that um, that always felt like a space that I could access and like be myself even though it was a leap you know to be away from home and like kind of adventure when I was like 12 yeah and I could see like as probably a creative kid like when your parents are both in music probably getting into art feels a little bit more like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna rebel a little bit too yes absolutely um I think music was something that was always sort of assumed that we would be a part of but they never expected us to do it. And so art felt like something that was like I was. Yeah. Like and I think it was maybe the only thing that like most of my family wasn't that good at. Oh, really? My grandma was a really great artist. Um, and I think maybe they were better than they than they say they are. <laughs> like my when I look back, you know, little sketches and stuff were always cool that we did. Um, but, yeah, it felt like mine. Yeah. A little bit more. So. That was nice. Um, But I didn't really, despite all the signs, I didn't know that I wanted to be a designer until I started trying to do it. Really? So, like, had you, I mean, I assume you maybe hadn't had a notion of what a designer even was. You know, I think I did, but I kind of... I kind of rejected it for the sake of wanting to do art in quotes. So I think there were definitely warning signs. (laughs) Like my parents saved some of the projects I did as a kid. And one of the things that they saved was a book of poetry that we did when we were like in first grade, you know, cute little first grade poems. Oh, yeah. And apparently I rewrote the table of contents using different styles of handwriting. (laughs) Like, I'm not kidding. There were like 15 pages of the table of contents. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that could maybe not have been more predictive of what I would be doing. I would say that is the number one indicating sign that you are going to do some layout stuff in your life. For if you are sure. thinking about different styles of handwriting at all ever. <laughs> yeah. And first grade when you like, yeah. like, what is your handwriting? So I have that in my past. And then in sixth grade, um, I had an amazing teacher who had us for like one whole quarter all of our projects were wrapped up in creating a newspaper wow we each created our own newspaper and we had to do all the sections we had to name it we had to make the ads but it was all done with like cut and paste um like and drawing and it's funny because my parents saved mine 
And I had all kinds of things in it. Like I had, um, it was supposed to be 20 years in the future. So I had the first um, woman president was elected in, I don't know, I think it was like 2016 or something like that. So close. And the Cubs won the World Series, which they actually did in 2016. Can we can we get into this this we future? Like, yeah, I know. we're really close to Some it. Some of it was good, um, but I had like cut out the captions from the comics and like rewrote the captions rather than drawing the comics. So I thought I wanted to be a writer, um, but yeah, I, I wrote all these stories and like designed it and like made different fonts for the different things just by lettering them differently. Wow. So. It's not good looking. Well, but that's it's still but really it's ambitious, cool. though. Yeah. Like, did you get multiple copies of the newspaper? Like, no, we had one that we made oh, and turned in. Oh, it's just in. the pay stuff. It's just one. Wow. So, yeah, it was a pretty cool project. But he managed to wrap, um, like, math and history and creative writing and like all of these things into this one project, and that was our whole project for the. For the quarter. That's so, a good teacher. I'm super grateful for that experience. I did not know that I wanted to do magazine design somehow <laughs> until I was almost 30. Yeah. Because, so. I mean, I, I was, I as I mentioned before, I was on LinkedIn before this. And I was noticing your degree is actually in fine art and writing. Yeah. I went there um, falling in love with the campus, for one. It was beautiful, like big trees, kind of like the park blocks, really. Oh. There's a guy who I went to school with. Um, who made a movie called Liberal Arts, and Kenyon was the school that <laughs> like, was in the movie. Essentially the quintessential liberal yeah, arts school. Then. Yeah, I mean, that's like really what it was. It was beautiful. So I kind of fell in love with it for that, but I thought that I wanted to do writing creatively. Yeah. And um, it has a wonderful like poetry journal or creative writing journal, and there have been a lot of like famous writers who have gone there. There have also been cool people in visual communication and comics and Bill Watterson, who did Calvin and oh, Hobbes. Yeah. He went there. Oh, my God. Um, and I think that was something that also seemed really cool to me. Like, I knew that there was an interesting, like, art adjacent thing and humor, too. Yeah. Which I don't think I ever really thought I was super funny, but, like, I enjoy that side of things, and I enjoy, like, the self-effacing. Calvin and Hobbes is, like, not only funny, too. It's kind of like yeah. a heart-tugger. Oh, absolutely. Kind of so so I went there for, um, really, for creative writing. I studied English Lit and then was one of two people who petitioned to let have the school let us write poetry for our thesis project. And uh, wow. so I wrote, like, 25 pages of poetry for my, like, senior thesis, and then had to do a fine art exhibit. I think that what I didn't understand again is if those two things had a baby, (laughs) they would probably be design. It's like literally inventing the definition of communication design. If only there was some way we could combine the visual and this like bookmaking thing. Oh, communicating. Ah. I mean, I went as far as I studied um, books in printing, like history of books in printing for my art history class. And wow. I mean, I should have known. So, so when I graduated, I um, moved to a completely different part of the country, Denver, because I had a friend who said I could stay on her floor. <laughs> And well, and it's also moving up to the big city too. Right, like, right. That felt good. Yeah. And she had another roommate who was a graphic designer, Jen, who was doing freelance work and would kind of show me what she was doing. And I really liked the type. Like, I liked the idea of setting type. I ended up later when I moved to Portland, like taking a letterpress class at the IPRC out here. And like really then it started to click like what the things I had been doing, like what they meant, like all of the things in Illustrator where you're, you know, adjusting, kerning and letting and that kind of stuff. Um, So I think it was the mix of like doing some printmaking, um, which I did in my undergraduate as well. With just loving communication. Yeah. And I think I realized that um, I realized that if I was going to work in a writing adjacent field, it would be editing somebody else's words. But if I was going to work in an art adjacent field, 
it would be design and I could be like a megaphone for somebody else's ideas. Yeah. Which sounds really fun to me. It still is fun to me. It And it is. Like, I mean, that's like an incredible thing about, especially working in editorial, like you are getting to like broadcast out ideas and experiment sure. on the how those things are framed on a weekly or monthly basis. Right, right. And make things that work. Yeah. Like, I've always enjoyed that. I took um, my high school, actually, I took um, drafting classes and architectural drawing classes. Wow. Instead of math. (laughs) It was a huge school. It was a huge high school. And actually, that's another thing I should probably have thought would mean I should go into design. Yeah, but there's there's a million little roads that are going Now that I am a designer, way. it's like it makes a ton of sense. At the time, it seemed like I liked everything and couldn't decide what I wanted to do. Yeah. So sometimes paths kind of converge and like I think it wasn't until later that it really made sense to me. Like I was probably in my early 30s when it started making sense, <laughs> honestly. So So you're in, you're in Denver now. Yep. Um and like what what sort of like is the big push to get into kind of the publishing world from there? I had been doing design for like little startups. I The first like job job I took in design was at a travel agency, like making their like silly little newspaper ads. And it was just really, really boring. I missed books. Yeah. Um, there was a program in town, like a publishing specific program. Um, kind of like the one that, that PSU does. Yes, Ooligan Press is ours. Yeah. It's called the Denver Publishing Institute, and it was started by some folks from New York and Boston who would come out to Denver area in the summers and just loved it and, like, wanted to start a hub to, like, help educate people to go back into that industry just because it was beautiful yeah. and they liked it there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which I think is an awesome reason to start something. An excellent reason. So it was like a summer-long, intensive, like, master's level program that we learned about. Um, We did workshops in editing and production and advertising, uh, marketing. Just, like, everything. Everything around books, specifically. Um, And then the idea was that it, it was a good feeder for jobs because so many people would go there during the summers and teach who, like actually had practical experience in the field, which is a lot like what you and I are trying to do in yeah. these programs here. It's like I think a lot of the teachers that students have in Portland are doing nine things, you know, they're teaching there. <laughs> they're working at a firm, they're starting their own zine like or comic series or whatever. Yeah. Um so it felt like those kind of people and I just when I was there, I kind of told myself as I was finishing, like, that I should remember what that felt like to work with people who were so smart and so, like, on the same level all the time. And whatever I was doing, it should take me closer to that. Yeah. So from there, I did, in fact, get a job at a book publisher. <laughs> and I was more excited about production than I was about editing. And that surprised me. Um Oh, it was at that moment that you're like, oh, this is this yeah, is actually the thing. Totally. And um, I liked it because production, like I didn't feel like I was good enough yet as a designer to be like designing books. But production was like the way that you make everything work. Yeah. And so the publisher that I ended up working with um, was Perseus Publishing and DeCapo Press. Now it's like a pretty big publisher. It was like medium size to medium big when I when I worked there. But I was basically a production manager, and so I was the one in charge of getting all the books printed in the best way possible. But that's a huge job. Huge. Like huge. I I, I think folks who are new to design may not realize it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not easy. The interesting thing, I think, the thing that I really ended up loving about it was our art directors for this imprint were fantastic and they like won awards for their books. And I didn't feel like I could play in that world yet. But I did know like they were making choices that I knew how they would print. Yeah. And that was partly because of my printmaking background and it was partly because of my interest in them and listening to them as people. And partly my interest in people in general and kind of like 
translating with the printer. And like at the time, I think publishing may still be this way, but at the time, I mean, print technology has changed a bit, but books were running on Heidelberg presses, like these big printing presses, like same way that they had been for years and years and years. And yeah. Years I mean, some years. of those Heidelbergs are like from the 1800s. Yeah, and, totally. I mean, a lot are from the 40s even too. Well, and they're still kind of maintained and they work the same way. Yeah. So the people who work in the shops often have been working in the shops since the 1840s. But, um, <laughs> that would be that would be they'd be like medical miracles. But um, I mean, sometimes you talk to a pre-press person and it feels like they have the weariness that they have been exactly. working in that job. So there's some weariness. There's like some bossiness sometimes. I think at the time it felt like um, I looked really young for my age and I was pretty young for that job. And so I think think I got talked down to a lot but to be able I had a great mentor there who was also just a few years older than me and had been doing it since she was 18 Wow! so um, she came from the manufacturing side and I came from like more the art and like the practice side and so the two of us working together it was really nice and I learned a lot about how to talk to people that don't want to respect you like during that time and made friends and you kind of use your you use comedy and you use your like <laughs> Midwestern generosity or yeah. whatever and your own like self-effacing sense of humor to like get people to not hate you. And then you become a really great translator for the design side of things. Wow. Um, yeah. So that part was actually really fun. That's yeah. That's such an interesting place to come into this field from like and to be able to see um, practitioners of our field, I'm guessing, are some of the people who are not very nice to you sometimes. Maybe. I, I mean, everybody who I got to work with was great. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely like snobbery on all sides of that yeah. position where I was in the middle. You know, when you're a person in the middle, you often have to absorb things from all sides to like protect the other people make and protect the work. Yeah. You know, to make sure that it. It gets done well. So I learned how to stand up for myself. I learned how to, like, ask questions. I think doing that job, I definitely learned that you can always ask questions. Like, even if you think you know what's happening, like, and you're on a press check, just ask a question. Like, start with a question. I still learn something every time I go on press. Yeah. And then you're not an asshole, <laughs> too. That's so very like, important. Yeah, I feel like that's, like, the goal. It's, like, don't be a jerk always. Yeah, um, number one. And, like, try to learn something all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so that made me feel, like, excited about design. I, I will say I did get bored of, like, ordering books over and over. I think I did the two years I was there, I think I did, like, 250 like reprinted titles and Holy like shit. 80 new books like every year and wow i mean i guess that's a job that's going to keep you very busy but that's a lot yeah and that's why they need like that's why the designer is not the one ordering the printing and yeah. that's why the production person isn't necessarily like um devising the plan to get them into marketing yeah. you know there's a bigger team um which was great. Everybody was, as I thought, like pretty funny and smart and cool. <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot. And I met a person who I um, fell for and wanted oh. to move. He wanted to move to Portland. And uh, I was tired of my job. And we decided that we were going to try it. So, um, so I moved out here for a boy and then just started telling everyone that I was a designer because I had done enough of it. <laughs> But that's enough, though, too. It really, it was a lot of practical experience, actually. This is not, I I mean, I think sometimes people think of design as being a very gatekept field. And, you know, like, you don't necessarily have to have a design degree to go and do this. Like, I would say it can be a very gatekept field. It can be. But I um, was super lucky. I feel like I was also super humble and like I took an internship with the Willamette Week when I moved out here and I was like you know had already been a production manager yeah so Um, that timeline's got to be like kind of actually good for you like you'll know how to work fast right in a very fast-paced environment definitely and I think that appealed to the like 
procrastinator side of me too. Like you can't help like it's going to get put off to the last minute like in those <laughs> environments. So what I did, you know, it definitely like I'm good at making things happen. Yeah. Like, making it work at the last minute. So, but I, you know, I was told, and I don't know if you were told this too, like, um, that there were kind of, you could go into production and that would be sort of like one, you would be more of a cog in the machine. Yeah. Or you could go the creative direction. I was actually just having this conversation with a recent grad the other day. Mm. And I, I think he was unfortunately under the impression that like, if you did choose the production side that you would be stuck there and that would be your only route forward yeah i'm so curious i mean do you see that happening with students that you've taught i don't no. know if i broke out of it or if it was just like it's actually more fluid than we think i think it's a lot more fluid than we think i think and so too it's I, I think too like it is really easy to especially when you're starting out feel like you have to be in a box and right you your first job is going to be your last job even if you know that's not going to be true right but yeah, like I mean, especially in this in this climate, like it makes the most sense to just go where you're going to get some skills and move forward. And like you got some great skills from that that role. Like, yeah, and I I think being an intern, like I actually like ended up with that internship because I picked up the Bear Deluxe, which was you know a free like art magazine art and environment magazine that was laying around portland a really gorgeous magazine it was beautiful even before i got there and uh <laughs> and so i thought that they were pretty big um with my background yeah and emailed them and and was like you know i'd love to like see what you do thinking like this is me like contacting the cool kids in town or whatever and they were kind of cool but um <laughs> But I, um, but I went at, to meet up with the publisher, and it was like in like one of those, almost like a welding, you know, studio oh, kind sure. of thing. Yeah, and like, like really gritty and industrial, yeah. like but deep also Northwest. cool. Yeah, and um, the people next to us, one of them was like a welder, and the other guy on the other side was like a painter who's super good. Um, but. When I met with them, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like a zine. This is like a, you know, it's all volunteer. <laughs> all of this stuff. And um, I started working with them and learned actually a lot of my skills because I was working with a, a guy, a friend of mine, um, Thomas, who actually was working at Willamette Week. And he suggested that I come over there and just be an intern and see what happened. So I think when I was doing the internship, I was also temping for money. Yeah. And uh, I like completely let go of my pride when I like moved to Portland and was like, I mean, I don't know if I really was ever very prideful, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to make it work. I'm going to make money however I can. And I'm going to try to do things like you said, where you're learning something. Yeah. And I mean, that was really valuable because it kind of, I mean, it in a lot of ways informed the like next like decade of your career like. totally well at the time so um before i went to bitch i through temping actually i landed at a consulting firm that was doing some really interesting like leadership development training with fortune 100 companies and actually that sounds really boring when i see it <laughs> say it <laughs> But um, having come from a background of teachers and teaching and um, wanting to just learn things, yeah. like it actually was really interesting. They used a lot of like the Myers Briggs and like psychological testing to like profile teams and which would have been pretty new stuff too. At that it was, time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This was two thousand two, yeah, ish. Um, and to have like executives go through that kind of self analysis is like super vulnerable. Like a lot of people didn't want to do it. <laughs> well, um, they, I mean, it, every executive watched American Psycho and then turned it off and said, oh no, how did they get this biography yeah, of me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there, I like knew the editing side, I knew the kind of translation piece of like how to talk between audiences and they were building a creative team and so there they hired me to be like a senior designer while I was also interning at Willamette Week. Wow. So, so I I feel like when I was at Willamette Week I made tons of mistakes. I like 
didn't know how to do things and would ask about it, I was not fast. <laughs> that, that's an issue. Yeah. Because they are a weekly. I know. It's I in mean, the name. I, I did fine, like, at the things I did. But looking back, I don't know how they look back on me. But <laughs> I did that job for, like, a year, and I'm still in touch with a lot of people that I worked with there. But... So I guess I didn't do that bad. But in the like day job where I was working at the consulting firm, I didn't fuck up as much because I had this whole other like place that I could learn. And um, it ended up being just a really interesting place to like push the design vision. I had a great creative director the first like little bit that we were there who had also studied poetry and... That's wild. Like, yeah, very wild. And had worked for Nike and like other companies um, and had done some writing, but also, you know, was a really good designer. So we kind of set this graphic design direction that was a little more reflective and thoughtful and not just like corporate, you know, a world party of people of different ethnicities sitting around the table shaking hands. It's <laughs> like. The, the worst, the handshake aesthetic oh my God. Of, of corporatism the in the two thousands. Yeah, and we're able to make something really cool, you know. Yeah. So that I stayed at for like eight or ten years, and during that time, we got bought by a bigger company and a bigger company, and then I had a global team eventually that I was running. That's so. crazy. Yeah, wild. Yeah, wild. And I was a there. I became like an art creative director. I was like a good designer. But I was a great art director. Yeah. You know, there are people who just are made for certain roles. And that sounds like that's hard for me to say on a mic. But it's it's really true, though, because it's different skill sets and like being able to manage people, especially, which is really key to that role. Like that is not a talent that a lot of people have. And like being able to talk about what it is that you want to do mm-hmm. and have other people execute it and understand it. Like that's really, that's hard. I think there's a skill that I have too, which I try to share with my students um, because you can practice this at any level of design, just like how to help people think that your idea is their idea. <laughs> It's so true, though. It's something I strive for, and it like, it's how you manage up. Yeah, as they say, I think um, it's also if you're like introverted and you don't like to be like in the spotlight all the time, it's a great way to like not be. Yeah, and it's it's genuine. Like if it can be genuine too, like I'm, I can be manipulative, but I'm not an asshole like that. Like I want people to feel good about things that they're doing, you know. So I think it's a really good way to make your colleagues feel good about what they're doing and your clients feel good about the work you did together. Yeah. So so I think that is that's where I learned really that skill. That and bartending. <laughs> Which I did for a long time. <laughs> I bo- both uh, very, very people oriented, very much about like trying to trying to convince people to be happy with their decisions. Yes. Yeah. And trying to make you do what you need them to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let it be their own. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh my God! So you, you, I like you now have a global team. You went from intern at Willamette Week to a person with a global team in-house at a at a firm like yeah that was it was pretty fast but it felt like um it felt like forever yeah I think it was like <laughs> when you're in it yeah yeah I think it, it was probably like five or six years um that it took to like do that but um but it's that's so fast it's so it's fast. so fast like the cool one of the cool things about working with folks outside of Portland, um, the firm that we ended up being a part of also has other companies and headquartered in New York. They're, the um, Mercer Lippincott is like a branding agency that has been around since, I don't know, maybe 100 years now. I don't yeah, know, I have a big name. Sure. Yeah. But I got to work with some of their art directors on a global rebrand of the company. And there was only like four or five of us. And I just realized like how young I was, like in my th- early 30s. Oh. And like here sometimes it feels like 
I don't know. I, I have students who come back to school for design and they're like in their early 30s sometimes and they're like, am I going to feel so old? Like, I feel so old at school. I feel like I'm getting started so late. And oh, it's no, not. but that's, yeah, it really it's isn't. I, same thing here. Like, when I started teaching, I was 26, uh-huh. maybe. Uh-huh. And I was very nervous about telling anyone my age, which I think. Oh, yeah. Because, like, almost, almost all my students were older than me. Right. And, like, you know, there there is that thing of, like, am I, like, I as the teacher am, like, the one that, like, has to has to like do my best to to feel like I'm the teacher in this room yeah um but like I I do think back on that and like oh yeah probably they were all really nervous too like going back to school and feeling like you know am I am I getting into this too late yeah they weren't like yeah not at all yeah I mean I I had some advice as I was like thinking about switching to design somebody told me that um, this was like early 2000s, so maybe it's more than this now. But people change career trajectories like five times in their life. Yeah. Average. Yeah. And like that seems like a lot. <laughs> and and it's not. It's not, like, though. It's not. You, yeah. you really can change. And um, so much of what we do is virtual now. Yeah. And if you are always learning, then you're – you're always going to have fresh ideas. You, you and you have to. You have to. Like it's it's so easy. I think you think back on like the 50s world of like you you have a job and you are in it for 40 years and you you clock in and you clock out every day and that's never how creative work no, has been. No. But like also you it's if you are not getting new ideas and new environments and new like problems to solve, like you stop being creative. Right. And that is poisonous. So like you kind of have to do that, like shifting and changing all the time. Right. Like. And you're not going to get all of it from your day job. No. Like, or maybe most of it. I mean. (laughs) Yeah. If you, if you're putting all that on your day job, that's a, that's a real recipe for burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always done I guess I've almost always had two jobs, um, and that came partly from necessity. Yeah, but um, also because I'm distractible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when I when I was at the consulting firm, I was working on the Bear Deluxe, like in my free time, and it was like here's this like countercultural, like environmental art magazine, and then I'm working at this global company and like what does that feel like um and i i struggled with that actually a lot and i think that's what ultimately made me made me leave i i had been looking for a bit and when i saw the job at bitch come open i i felt like i was um working in the air so much like trying to connect with offices in the uk and singapore and you're up early in the morning to connect with one office Ooh. and late at night to connect with the other. And then oh. the middle of the day, you feel like you have to be on it. Here. That's yeah. That's kind of worst case scenario for that. Yeah. That's... It's growing pains of a company too, where yeah. you haven't quite settled into like how that works yet. Ooh. Um, But I wasn't designing as much as I wanted to. And when I saw the job with bitch come open, I think we had interviewed Andy, the co-founder of the magazine, for The Bear. Um, oh, wild. A few years before. And I was like, well, Briar Lovett was the art director then. I was like, that's a job that she will never leave. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there aren't that many jobs like that in town. And I was like, that. And then we stole her away. <laughs> I know. So good for me. <laughs> Um, but I was, I was like, that's one job that would be like, the writing's amazing. The um, there's sense of humor. Yeah, it's pop culture, but it's hard on pop culture, and uh, and the design's beautiful. So it felt like it was like the job yeah. that I needed to get. So and it was exciting because as much of my work as publications, I really am more a designer who likes the form to follow the function that goes back to those architecture classes it's like you have to make a thing that works you know so so this is just this is connecting all the dots like it really did it was like my dream job you know yeah and then um when i started doing that um 
It's a nonprofit and an independent publisher, and I need a little income to supplement. Yeah, yeah. I, th- good, a good thing to remember, uh, right? Folks who are thinking about going into nonprofit life, uh, yeah. have, have some side hustles right? uh, ready. But since I had been wanting to do, you know, I, I like balancing multiple things. I um, got the opportunity to teach an illustration class at PNCA and um, just kind of fell in love with that, too. Yeah. But they complemented each other. I had worked with photographers and I had worked with a lot of different designers, but I hadn't had the opportunity to work with a lot of illustrators who were really just freelance illustrators. And so to be able to go and teach those folks, I really learned a lot that helped me at Bitch. And I kind of made that um, part of my thing at Bitch was trying to advocate for better pay and better um, use of illustration, which Breyer had done a great job carving out. But... um, but while I was there, I was able to like quadruple our rates. That's great. Yeah. Still, you know, still low. <laughs> but Il- illustration is a very challenging path. Uh, yeah. In a lot of ways, but that's huge. Yeah, like... it felt really good, and and um, using them more throughout the magazine like made it so that I could do different things too, like redesign the website, and you know, sometimes be on a podcast. And... <laughs> And teach, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, and you're you're you kind of stayed with Bitch for a long time. Yeah, um, I, I was there for eight years ish. Yeah, yeah. And it was teaching that ended up kind of pulling you away. Yeah, because um, you are you are now like a full time person at PNCA. Yeah, like, I I that was a hard decision too. I was like, I have my dream job. Like, what do you do when your dream job is not your dream job anymore or when you feel like you need the next dream job? And uh, I actually had to decide to leave before I had the next thing lined up, um, which was really scary. Um, But I felt like the work at Bitch was so important and so kind of all consuming that um, I needed to, like, take a break. Yeah. Um, and I had taken a break from teaching to focus on that, like, the semester before, and I really missed it. Oh, yeah. So I was able to go back and get some more classes and and um, then do a little freelance work in that gap time and, like, actually go through the process of applying for a job, which in teaching is really hard. It's so cumbersome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> for, for how low the pay is, they really make you work for it. Well, I have so much empathy for, for designers starting out, too, because, like, you have to have a resume and a portfolio and you have to be great at interviewing. And then sometimes you have to do some kind of test to get started with a job. Yes. There's, like, six parts. <laughs> It's the the the, the full day long interview oh that every gosh. professor has to go through. Well, that um, is truly bananas. brutal. Yeah, that that is brutal, and you're giving a talk, and you're yeah. Um, so it was like all those things. Plus, I had to like teach in front of people who were evaluating. <laughs> you know. Oh, I I've not gone through a teaching evaluation. Um, that's it's actually fine. Okay, but it is it's it terrifying. does feel like a little terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I, I like went into my um, talk, like I always go into the school year, like, don't say shit show, don't say shit show. <laughs> and then it's like the third word out of my mouth. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went in, I remember giving like a lunchtime talk and I thought that there weren't that many people there. And I was like, I was like ready to like start a feminist commune of teachers and like burn everything down and here I am like you know wanting to work in an established art school that's like a <laughs> hundred years old and I'm like I'm like getting ready I hear the music swelling in the background while I'm giving my talk and I'm like oh my god this is like maybe should I be saying this but they hired me so <laughs> that was good I mean it is still an art school so you yeah know. it was probably for the best yeah yeah, that show, showing your real personality is probably a good thing well, and in that situation. That's actually the thing I love so yeah. much about teaching is like I'm starting to feel like I get to know what it's like to have a practice that's my own. Yeah. Like what is the work that I make that I want to make really look like and who do I work with and um, as opposed to just doing that as the side gig. I'm like how do I integrate all those parts? 
that feels scary and wild and committed and also really refreshing. So yeah, it's 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 all the things, but it's then also a million other things that are not fun too. Um, yeah, that feel like they're taking away from the good things. But you know, that's any job. It is any job, you and know. I think if you can put up with you know it in one environment or you can convince yourself the way that you convince other people that it's a good idea yeah (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I try to do that to myself um but it you know hopefully you're making things I always think at a job like hopefully I'm making things better for the next person that's doing it yeah I think there's a lot of kind of parts I I actually kind of want to circle back on so like you you sort of you left bitch before you kind of knew for sure that like yeah. this was going to be the next thing. Like what other had you like entertained other ideas about what what other options you had? Like- I did. I um I started by connecting with everyone I knew <laughs> um and just seeing who they thought I should meet. Oh, like, yeah. Do and those I, informational meetings. Yeah, I think like that's something I try to tell my students like don't go into a conversation thinking like this conversation is going to get me the job. Yeah. Like I really was trying hard to take my own advice about that. I'm like, <laughs> it was That's the hardest thing to do. Not always working, but, um, but just to have sit down and reconnect with some people that I hadn't had as much time to talk to yeah. and be honest and not throw anyone under the bus at like previous jobs and just feel like, you know, I don't like, how do you say I don't want to do this thing? anymore I, I without like making it sound like it was terrible you know I, I if if there's a way I have not figured it out myself yeah because it's 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 a very delicate needle threading to do right. so that's that's what I was trying to do yeah. you know I talked to some folks at um, agencies and I think I kind of landed at a place where I, I people kept asking me like what is it that you do like, oh, what God. is it that you specialize in? And I'm like, I have been an what art director for like 15 years. That is what I want to do. But I think there's a lot of specializing um, in this town, especially. Yeah. yeah. And but I, and that I feel like is a thing that has gotten more and more pronounced in recent times. I agree. Yeah. Um, and maybe less over the past couple of years, like since folks have downsized and yeah, like true. we're all working remotely, I think a lot of the communication skills that I have are skills that everybody needs um, just to work remotely yeah. and float around um, between clients. So I had kind of settled on maybe I was going to freelance for a bit instead of that. And um, my partner's also a designer and, and he has like a collective of folks that he works with called Future Work Design that does a little bit of consulting, like strategic consulting and equity work. Oh, nice. And so I got to work on a few projects with him and we've we've met through working together. So we've um, it was nice to get to like if he was too busy, I could I could help out. Um, And you kind of do the same thing with friends. Yeah. Like you're having all these informational meetings with people and then occasionally someone's like, you know what? I actually really need help next week. Could you help me with this? Um, So I did a little bit of that to get me through. And then I spent a lot of time like the question like, well, what is it that you do or what is it that you want to do? I think I started to realize that that is it's common when people don't know what to do with you. And and maybe if you're like at the same level, like. I'm talking to other creative directors about creative direction and like, I don't know. It it just made it, um, I started to realize that maybe I was not built for an agency like to be in that one place anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a specific world and it's kind of gross sometimes. I think it, it, yeah. maybe, I mean, I know that has never really felt like the fit to me and it sounds like it wasn't to you it hasn't been not long term yeah like it it, it, there there are ways that it functions that are really like you're getting into little fiefdoms and those little specializations and things like that and you know i think 
that can be that can be good. That can open up some doors because those places go through a lot of people. Yeah. And then you can say like, oh, I've I've been at this uh, agency and you've also been at this yeah. agency. Yeah. Hey, 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 we got to commiserate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it also just it's such a specific way of working that I don't know. It goes against how I because I think I think we're both kind of like we want to and maybe it's like the nonprofit aspect or just like the the kind of scrappiness but you do you just want to do things and get things done and that mindset feels so against that totally (laughs) you must be in your box you were at pika yeah i was at pika very similar like vibes Uh and like very (laughs) i was the doorman and the uh right account assistant at one point and uh... yeah and and your voice quavered <laughs> the, the the number of things that i did there I, were popping into my head i mean i can only imagine i think like working at a startup is similar working in-house is often similar to that um and you have to know that those jobs have an expiration date for you or else you're gonna feel really like yeah bad about it and i like it's I mean, I've stayed at jobs for quite a while, but you do get to that point where you're like, oh, my gosh, am I learning anything new? Yeah. Um, or am I, like, just getting full of hate? <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> like you, I, know, I know exactly what you mean. You, know? you have oh, to yeah. break up before you hate each other. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I I felt like... I mean, one of the things my mom said about teaching college was, like, that... It was new every year because it's not about her. It's like about the students. Yeah. And like every year, even if I do the same projects with the same intent, the work's going to be wildly different. The class is going to be wildly different. It's not just like getting a new client. It's like having a new it's like you're running a new studio every year. It is. It is. And they find stuff that you would never, ever find because they're looking in super weird places that you'd never oh, think so to look. Cool. And that I think like. I think back to when I was at Pika, and I think it was the worst period of my design career. <laughs> and yeah. it's not because of them. It's because I was isolated and yeah. I was not experiencing new things. Yeah. And in this, I am always experiencing new things right. and things that I would never think to look at on my own. And yeah. it's I'm better as a designer than I was, although I, a lot of my design work is now in uh, Descript in Adobe Audition. <laughs> and that, yeah. Those are very weird tools to be doing design in, but okay, sure. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you look at problems differently doing doing this and being in a place where you are just constantly being refreshed yeah. just by, by force of like your environment and yeah. the people that you're working with. Like, It's totally true. And what you said about being a better designer now like really sticks with me hard. I had a a good friend um, and a great designer that I partnered with a lot say when I was interviewing for the job, um, are you sure you want to be done with like your design career? Like, are you sure you want it? And I was like, dude, that is like, that it just smells like that. Those who can't do teach like bullshit that that I'm sure we're all like, it just made, it actually just made me want to do it more it's again that like yeah my past punk self is like <laughs> f you like i don't know how much i can swear on this podcast swear but it away. makes me want to swear all the swears yeah um and like looking at my colleagues who are really amazing teachers the work that you do the work that folks you know many of my friends who teach her do and the artists that aren't in design at PNCA who who are amazing and have a whole life in that world. Yeah. In addition to teaching and integrated with teaching, like threaded together. Like that's the gorgeous stuff. That's like I don't know, I feel like I'm becoming like such a better designer and maybe even maybe even someday I'll feel like I'm an artist, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm pretty happy about being a designer, but um, but you know it's just it's such a load of shit. It, yeah. that I do have. 
and it's mean. <laughs> it it's like I just that's yeah. What I fuck that person. <laughs> yeah, Honestly. yeah, I know, that, I know. That's I think, a real shitty. I think they like kind of had the, they were looking out for me and yeah. feeling bad about what they had been doing, and you know, yeah. What but do you that's do? Like, but it seems. We were talking about gatekeeping vibes at yes. the beginning, and that's some real gatekeeping vibes yes. of, like, the only way to – there's one way to practice in this field, and it's agency life. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> that's no. what you chose. And Sorry. I think, I think sometimes when we get stuck in, a like, a turret of, you know, some sector of the industry, you get a little um, – you kind of drink the Kool-Aid a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And, Maybe I'm feeling that way about teaching right now, but probably not. I think I'm still, like, <laughs> antagonistic enough that I'm <laughs> mad at it, too. I love it, but I'm still mad at it. You must be mad at it. Yeah, I It must will be eat you otherwise. It. That's true. Yeah. Thank you. I need a poster that says that. Yeah. Other, you, you don't want to be an associate vice president of whatever. No. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind the salary. Yeah, but, that would be great. But yeah. They get paid so much more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many of them. And oh, no, no one's quite clear what any of them do. <laughs> yeah. I'm the associate vice president of pencils. <laughs> I and I make the pencil order every single day. <laughs> and I have a second house in the Bahamas. I also make a pencil order often, but I don't have that house in the Bahamas, though. What's your pencil order? Mm, I like pencils that say stuff. Those are great. <laughs> yeah. We've we got to get some more pencils that say stuff yeah, around here. I like those. We got a, a couple of years ago, we got some PSU graphic design pencils. Um, and I don't think we quite knew how bad that they would be. They're they're truly the lowest quality pencils that I think you can Oh, you there can are buy. some really bad ones. Yeah. The, the lead is... Uh, I, I assume it was made broken because it does not hold together at all. Or you, you get that kind that's like squeaky, oh, and it's, it like does it's that it. as well. <laughs> it's very squeaky. The eraser does the does the great opposite erasing, where it makes the paper yep. dirtier if you try to use yep. it. And the words PSU graphic design are in Arial, which is just a great type choice. I think a that's, plus. Yeah, that's really Would funny. Buy again. Oh my gosh! We got some when I was at Vich that had they were like gold stamped. Those oh, are the yeah. with the hexagonal pencil. Those are the good ones. Those are the good ones. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. My mom used to get those for her students. She was an elementary school teacher, and at that time you could order like one offs of those, oh, which my gosh. is impossible to imagine now. Yeah. And yeah. they were like thirty cents a piece. Oh my gosh! I feel like you have to order like nine thousand of them. Yeah. Be, I'm barely exaggerating. <laughs> The the minimums on pencils now are really really absurd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for coming to Pencil Chat. Uh, yeah, right. It, it's really it's been a joy to have you here, Kristen. <laughs> um, if people want to learn more about you, where 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 do they go to do it? Um, you can see my work at krbee krb dot com. Or you can check out the work we do at PNCA if you Google PNCA graphic design. You can find our department. I do some little interviews with um, students and faculty and people we have art crushes on on that site. That's great. Yeah. And you also co-run the lecture series over yeah, there. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I really hope, like, consider this an open invitation to anyone, designer, student, like, community member who's just interested in it like those lectures are free and open to the public and they meet about once a month once the year starts up very convenient and you know you're, you're it's going to get cold here i know it's hard to imagine to that today a day that is going to be 175 That's outside not okay um but it will be cold again in winter and you're going to want to do something to do so why you not want go that design warmth and yeah. you know we're here to provide it go hang out and enjoy some wonderful design talks yeah thank you so much for having oh, me this was really fun <laughs> thank you so much for being here Thank you. Um, now I have to scroll down and find. There's so much Stephen money. That I have to <laughs> oh Don't get God. lost. He'll eat you He's alive. He's so muscular. Mm, I, I'm it's so confusing. <laughs> He's he's. 
He's rectangular in so many ways. <laughs> um, well, thank you to, to everybody out there who's listening to this. If you like this show, uh, whether you're hearing it for the first time or not, give it a subscription, by which I mean hit the subscribe button or the follow button, which I guess is what Apple Podcasts calls it now. Uh, in your podcast player of choice. That way you can hear every new episode that goes up and also old ones when I do that, too. Um, if you want, you can uh, also learn about this show by searching for the uh, the words on the Internet. But if you want to make that easier, take the Google out of the equation. Just go to dididothat.design. It's a wonderful website that I built. And there you can find some good, good images that go along with each and every episode, including this one. You can also get those images delivered directly to you on Instagram uh, or give us a follow on YouTube or LinkedIn should you want to embarrass yourself publicly by showing support for us on LinkedIn. Go make LinkedIn weird again. That's our 2023 call to action. <laughs> uh, I'm Sean Schumacher. This is Did I Do That? And as we always say at the end of every episode. Did I do that? <laughs> Oh, man, I missed my opportunity to do an impression. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to say. Okay, bye. <laughs>